Chapter 8 of Ronald and I, or Studies from Life, by Alfred Prator. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 Judy, or Retrieved. Ronald became her fidus achantes and Lord High Almoner in all her acts of charity. Occasionally, it is true, he misunderstood or exceeded his instructions, as, for instance, when he went round with a parcel of physic to a sick cottager how be i to take em did she tell ee no she didn't but she meant all i suppose unless it's written inside this was a large order as the parcel contained castor oil a black draught and six blue pills uh, which be i to take fust she must a told ee that again ronald was at fault much i allow as the gentry do their vittles solids first and drinks afterwards the prescriptions whatever the order observed in their administration answered to perfection and ronald's fame was greatly magnified by the result his drugs were in high request everywhere and were reported to be powerfully fine one day his wife said to him ronald would you like to hear a project i have in hand for reclaiming a pet drunkard very much what is it i shall give him a dog good lord how will that help him it reminds one of a story in the arabian nights where somebody with a crackjaw name gives to somebody else a porter i think it was a lump of lead promising it will make his fortune but he wisely declined to specify by what particular method the charm would work i think the man weighted a fish line with it and caught a salmon with a diamond in its mouth but you can hardly expect your scheme to work like that wait and see ronald i read in a german story-book the other day how a dog had turned a man into an early riser i shall give you one ronald and made him charitable and religious and all the rest of it surely i can trust my dog to reclaim a man from one single failing i should like to see how he's going to do it said ronald incredulously the chances are your protege will take his dog the first day to the nearest public-house and if he gets biscuits there as a nice dog is sure to do he'll want no coaxing to take his master there every day and the last state of that man will be worse than the first i am afraid there is no worse possible in this case at any rate i have faith in my dog the next day a ragged little hound called judy was selected from the kennels at thorpe hill and dispatched to the protege in question pure white she was and so small that at a shift you could hold her in the hollow of your hand a veritable little mongrel of course if ever there was one indeed nothing but a mongrel would have had the capacity for so delicate a mission for as we all know it is to the mongrel that we look for intelligence and originality the consciousness of inherited merit is fatal to intellectual progress in an animal of pedigree partiality but only the most prejudiced might have called judy a rough irish terrier only her ears didn't lop but were carried erect like a donkey's and her legs were too long and her tail had an ugly kink in it having abused her sufficiently for her personal appearance let me add that she had the sweetest and most winning of faces chiefly composed of eyes which were so large in comparison with the rest of her features that they seemed to swallow them up giving to the face as a whole the thin troubled look of premature age which is so pathetic in any sick animal 
but judy was far from being delicate and enjoyed to the full the zest and sparkle of life with her head on one side and her ears pricked up and attention bestowed on the curl of her tail a matter in which she was often negligent she would have matched the best of them as a study of arrested life the two the dog and the young reprobate she was expected to reform took to each other with all their hearts and soon became inseparable but at first ronald's pessimistic prophecy seemed likely to be realized true to his natural instinct her master took judy at once to the nearest public-house and as the biscuits due to an intelligent dog were always forthcoming judy fell in entirely with her master's view as to the direction that their daily walk should take ronald triumphed maliciously but prematurely for judy was to be recalled to her duty by a stern dispensation it happened one day that as she and her master were starting a troop of bicyclists came scorching down the hill and judy caught off her guard and losing her head was run over and taken up for dead after long days of anxious nursing she was called slowly back to life at least to a measure of life but the little dog's nerve was gone from that day forward no persuasion could tempt her to follow her master along the public road warned by experience she dreaded bicyclists at every turning just so far as the garden gate and no further she would follow him and with a thin little feeble whine plead almost in words for a change of route but the master's heart was steeled it was to be a conflict of will between them and which was to conquer the dog or the man for days and weeks the result trembled in the scale but the walk grew dreary apart from his companion and going and returning he was haunted by the piteous whine then at last he succumbed the day's walk along the high road was exchanged for a run in the nearest field or common and judy's heart rejoiced and her spirit came again to her and she became almost but never quite her natural self again thenceforth the sympathy between these two was complete when judy was ill again almost to death she was restful nowhere but in her master's presence when he left the room her eyes would languidly follow him when he came back they kindled to life again breathed into by a new spirit and when he took her in his arms all pain and disquiet ceased and she lay neither shivering nor moaning lost to all feeling but the satisfied assurance of his love well ronald and how about my experiment you've beaten me was the reply what a wonderful woman you are two in quo tam similem vidibis isam ut set tam similis sibi nec ipsa marshall she was a very little dog with a very large soul and all her soul looked out of her eyes no one whom she loved could doubt her love when once her eyes had assumed their final expression i am your friend for life they said and for death and perhaps beyond it in the frivolous days of her youth she had snapped at the knickerbockers of a chubby errand boy and been promptly handed over for punishment but she broke from the executioner under the indignity of the first stroke and fled for refuge to her master's bedroom from which no efforts could dislodge her so making the best of a bad business he took to his bed too for company's sake 
judy was deeply touched by this practical sympathy and it formed i believe the historic groundwork of their lifelong friendship her pedigree was mixed her father was a white english terrier of unimpeachable breed who lived a sober self-contained existence with no friend but the postman whom he followed conscientiously on all his rounds of delivery her mother was the daughter of a king charles who had been wooed and won by a fox fair and frail she was careless of the duties of life and passed her time in eating and sleeping and sleeping and eating she is sleeping and eating still the latter with an ever-increasing appetite as the time at her disposal grows less judy repudiated in toto her maternal parentage and reproduced all the best characteristics of her father combined with a brilliant intelligence and a far wider appreciation of the sympathies of life her minor peculiarities were borrowed from those of a cat she sat like a cat pounced like a cat and washed her face like a cat using either or both of her paws with a truly feline indifference she could climb bushes too hang on by her teeth to the detriment of any unwary fledgling who presumed over-confidently upon the limitations of natural gifts judy often came on a visit to thorpe hill where she regularly spent an hour after dinner in digging at the root of a favourite beech tree with the energy of a dog that is close on a prize from which i inferred that she was a truffle terrier in disguise who would make all our fortunes and set matthew to dig in her place till he blasphemed against judy and the truffles and me but matthew didn't put his heart into his work or realize the fact that judy's credit was at stake and i always believed in her more than i did in him later on she justified my confidence not i admit by a discovery of truffles but better still of a full-grown roman or anglo-saxon crouching among his household divinities judy was complacently proud of him as a very superior find in spite of matthew's sneer twarn't triffles i know and forthwith transferred her attentions to a neighbouring tree under which for all i know others of his family may still be reposing it is humbling to admit that she was wholly devoid of tricks properly so called partly because no one had troubled to teach her any and partly i think because she accounted it a waste of time to try and acquire them no one who studied her thoughtful little face could doubt that she held higher and more recondite theories of the responsibilities of life it was probably the same reasons that led her to pass her days in silence few objects she thought were worth the trouble involved of setting in motion the harsh and cumbrous method by which alone a dog converses certainly not meat and drink and therefore she declined to ask for them the prospect of a walk or the sight of a blackbird deriding her from a twig formed the only exceptions and proved the rule otherwise judy would have been a canine trappist and her reticence was the more remarkable seeing that her mother passed her time in futile and vociferous talking probably judy regarded her as an object lesson and a warning she was certainly disdainful of her noise but she had two natural gifts you may call them tricks if you will she took her meals like a christian seated or rather kneeling at table beside her master with her paws doubled under her knees 
from this post of vantage she would watch the whole proceedings of dinner with the curiosity of an epicure but dining on her own account offered little attraction the position of her paws it is true suggested an attitude of devotion and gained for her the reputation of saying grace before meat but her own diet was strictly limited to morsels of bread and biscuit which she received with indifference and apparently without gratitude it may be that she dined in the night-time as amina did with the ghoul if so i hope she selected more desirable company she had one other peculiarity i cannot call it an accomplishment though it found her a number of admirers after studying you intently with eyes that looked you through and through as though she were appraising carefully your capacity for friendship she would raise a delicate fur-capped paw and lay it gently upon your nose never anywhere else it was a favour accorded to no stranger never indeed till she had known you for months for it was an oath of allegiance emblematic as the solemn transfusion of blood and renewable on occasion if you cared to elicit it by staring her well out of countenance yet it was trying to be reminded of the fact when you were kneeling at prayers in full view of the servants simply because judy regarded your attitude and surroundings as a ceremonial especially designed for the reenactment of her vow being a good friend judy was by consequence an equally good nurse the attributes of the two are indeed strangely akin if the latter be not a natural development of the former for in sickness as in sorrow there are times when a sympathetic silence is a better restorative than more obtrusive remedies her master found it so when judy nursed him for four months at a stretch sacrificing without a whine the most brilliant summer on record cleverer than many a nurse or doctor she inferred his condition from certain changes of face and expression unappreciable by their less intuitive faculties satisfied by a careful inspection that he was for the moment improving she would fall back on the pillow with a sigh of satisfaction till he was restless again or till the time came she knew it as well as did the nurse when he had to be roused for his medicine judy was sorry i fancy on her own account when the days of her nursing were ended by her master's recovery for she never disguised her real sentiments whether creditable or the reverse differing therein from the race of men at whose feelings and motives one can only hazard a bewildered guess judy taught her master many things among them how to win the love of her community jealousy it seems is the family failing it is idle she told him to imagine that a few scraps of half-hearted affection can claim the devotion of a life careless casual attentions may gratify an unexacting dog they can never win his heart's love it is not for pity's sake as some will tell you that the mongrel of the streets is attracted by preference to the vagabond and outcast who is as lonely as himself rather because he feels that here at any rate is a field unoccupied a mine of sympathy that will loyally repay for working but let the master of his affection form other and more engrossing ties and the love that he has given he will infallibly withdraw not hastily capriciously or for the moment but slowly deliberately and forever 
at what cost to himself is happily not ours to fathom three they sin who tell us love can die southey retrieved by judy from a life of shame her master had become a respectable character and the year afterwards found work as a carpenter in an adjoining town which compelled him to migrate from our village how to dispose of his dog was the question his lodgings were situated in a crowded street through which a continuous stream of the vehicles most dreaded by judy bicycles included was passing literally by night and day garden he had none only a small paved courtyard tenanted in the main by children and cats judy's natural enemies while the nearest field was two miles off it was clearly impossible to transfer her to such surroundings her future was settled thus she was left in his old rooms under special charge of the landlady and every evening when his day's work was done wet or fine winter or summer her master walked out to console her for the long hours of his absence such affection might have satisfied a reasonable dog but judy was distinctly unreasonable she remembered none better how in former times she was with him all the day and sometimes when she willed to have it so all the night as well now she was left to her own devices and only caught a hurried glimpse of him in the evening when she was too sleepy to enjoy it besides when he left her at the garden gate she was strictly enjoined not to follow him a prohibition which while it whetted her curiosity was also regarded as a direct insult viewed in the light of former days and the unrestricted license that had been accorded to her then so judy put on her considering cap he can't go far she said else he could never leave me so late and come home in time for bed and i'm sure he doesn't drive or travel by train else his boots would never be so muddy when he comes here at seven so it's clear that he walks and in that case a dog of the feeblest intelligence can follow in his track accordingly on a wet and windy evening when bicyclists were not likely to be abroad a little wistful-eyed face peered out into the road growing bolder and bolder as her master receded from view but ever and again hurriedly withdrawn whenever he turned upon her with a threatening hand then he vanished behind a hill and judy felt that her opportunity was come but a mob of children ran by with sticks in their hands and judy slunk back in alarm as soon as these had passed she made another attempt but horror of horrors a bicyclist scorched by and back she shrank again into the friendly shade at last the road was empty and silent the most careful inspection to the right hand and to the left could find no sign of life and the keenest ears with which ever dog was gifted failed to detect a sound now or never said judy and with tail erect and her tiny snub nose well to ground on the scent she rushed out into the night an hour later a man was sitting down to a supper in the adjoining town cursing the noise of the street in which he lived with its wrangling women and screaming children and cabs and drays coming home for the night when a little dog whined and scraped at his door and judy rushed in mud-stained and panting and panic-stricken with fear 
it was probably the fright that killed her it may have been some injury her master never knew only a brief friendship measured by the standard of time but perhaps what southey says is true and love is indestructible even the love that bound these two End of chapter 8